Welcome to Decaf with Mark and Taylor. We're back for another week. Mark, you are drinking an energy drink, and we are supposed to be intermittent fasting. Wait, what no, are you no, doing? No, I'm doing a different kind than you. We talked about that. So I'm doing, okay. I'm, I'm doing the one day off and then like four or five days on, one day off again. So this is one of my days that I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I'm not doing- Okay, well, I'm doing, I'm doing the 16 hours off, so I'm still in my fast and I'm drinking water right now and I need coffee. Let me ask you a question. When you're, so, so basically the idea is that you eat for, you can eat for eight hours or drink anything with calories for eight hours and then you don't do it for 16. Um, do you feel like, do you eat more during that eight hours or not really than you normally No, I, I literally feel like my stomach is shrinking. Like I'm not eating as much as I used to. Um, the 16 hours off is not that bad because I do 8 p.m. to noon off. And so in the morning, like I'll get up and I'll exercise like I always do early in the morning at seven or eight. And then I just drink black coffee. I bought like iced coffee and iced tea and hot black coffee and water until noon and then I just eat like <clears throat> something with a lot of protein. You didn't usually drink black coffee either, did you? No, I like fancy lattes. I oh. like black coffee. I like good black coffee. Like I'll go to like a coffee shop and get like a pour over. But at home I like a little bit of hazelnut creamer and some agave or something like that. Like I I'm not good at home black coffee, but I'm doing it. I'm pushing through. That's good. I actually think I didn't like black coffee at first. And then like, you just get used to it and like it. And there's like some good, like, there's some good pumpkin spice. I actually, you, you like pumpkin spice stuff, right? I do, but you're such a basic girl right now, Mark. I, well, I'm very, I'm very basic, but I have a bunch of like pumpkin spice, like Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts have them and they're still, and, and you have them black and like, it's not a super big flavor, but it's like, it's a little bit that makes you feel like it's not just black coffee. So I will, I will say, say whenever, whenever I go to Panera, which is not often, I only ever go with Brayden in our office because he loves it. Panera has a really good hazelnut blend coffee. And that's one of the only black coffees that I religiously drink. There you go. Well, hazelnut's excellent too. So yes. Well, as soon as I think Monday is my next day, my day off. So I will. Gosh. Uh, and we're both going to be in the office Monday and you're going to be grumpy as crap. I'm grumpy as crap anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's so true. Um, speaking of coffee, we have a new over-caffeinated this week. Mark did over-caffeinated with Holly McCall. Um, Mark, tell us about Holly and why we wanted to have her on the show, because I think she's a really great role model for women. But Mark, it was Mark and Justin on the show, so I obviously didn't have a say. So what was the motivation to having Holly on the show? Well, I mean, so she's somebody who's important in Tennessee politics. She's been around for a long time. So she was the comms director for Hillary in 2016, comms director for Bloomberg in 2020 uh, in the primary. And now she has her own media outlet, which has actually kind of been doing a lot of stuff recently and was really featured in that big Fox 17 blow up thing, trying to figure out how many cases of, of COVID were at bars in Nashville. Um, but she's a very accomplished person in this area. And one of the reasons we do that show over Kevin is we want to talk about policy and, and her and Justin, which you'll see have disagreements on what to do. But the whole point of that is like, we want to have fun. We want to have a good time. But we also want people to, to have discussion, talk about things and not yell at each other just because they disagree. And we've actually asked quite a few liberals to be on the show. Um, and I, I give her credit because she's one of the only ones who have actually accepted the offer. Her and, and David pauses it too, maybe not quite as, as, but I mean, she is somebody who's big in the democratic party. She was great. We had a great time. And a little spoiler, we ganged up on Justin. Justin tried to throw me under the bus for liking Nickelback. And she's like, no, I like Nickelback. <laughs> like, but she hates Garth Brooks, which was a, which was a fun thing. Cause I don't think Garth Brooks is good either. So it really ended up being this, it seemed like they're going to go head to head, but then it turned into me and, and Holly versus Justin on everything pop culture. 
that's honestly amazing. Well, Justin is like an old man on the inside, so it doesn't surprise me that he wasn't good with pop culture and y'all ganged up on him. Honestly, proud of you. I, I, have, a, I have a great thing that we noticed too. Uh, she, she, made, she made fun of Dave Matthews Band because obviously they're terrible. And I was like, you know what? Justin looks like a Dave Matthews Band fan. Like if you saw the exact fan of what a Dave Matthews fan looked like, that is what it is. Maybe like 10 years a professional Dave Matthews fan that's 10 years older than most of them. Like he looks like a Dave Matthews fan. I would imagine them to look. That is honestly so spot on. I love when we make fun of Justin on this. He gets so mad. It's so great. That is he, absolutely perfect. He was great, though. Him, him and Holly really talked about stuff. And I thought the Supreme Court justice, who, what they should do with the nomination and just the whole issue with the, um, the COVID cases in Nashville. They, it was, Justin did a great job. Holly did a great job. It's just, it was good to hear a discussion from two people who disagreed and weren't screaming at each other and insulting each other. Well, and also two people whose opinions are very well respected in Tennessee on different sides of issues. Like Justin is very well respected and so is Holly and hearing them actually have a civil place to talk. Imagine that, like a civil place for people with disagreeing opinions to talk. Um, I'm really excited to watch it. I haven't watched it yet because I want to wait until it premieres um, on Facebook. And so I, I can't wait. It's going to be out later today. We are fired up about that. Um, Mark, you hinted a little bit at Supreme Court Justice. Let's talk about this. Yes. Last weekend, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away after a very long battle with cancer. I can only imagine my first thought went to what she's been through, how long she's held on. I'm pretty sure they said it was um, the, her cancer just metastasized all over her body and she just couldn't take it anymore. That woman has been around for a very long time and she has been such a role model for women. I'm going to like go on a tangent a little bit because Mark asked me a, a great question. I'm going to ask him to answer it next, but he asked me a, a great question. He asked it on over caffeinated too, is who is someone that you look up to whose policy positions you disagree with? And mine has to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I don't agree with her I very rarely agree with her policy positions, but I've always loved the friendship that she had with Justice Scalia. They could not be more different on policy, but they were best friends. Holidays together. And I just think that at a time when everyone is shouting and everyone is saying, well, if you care about women, you wouldn't be friends with this kind of person. Or if you care about this issue, you're not gonna be friends with this kind of person. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I would argue, she took her identity as a woman so seriously in her work. She was still friends with someone who was e her equal in power in the United States. Such a close friend with that person. And I just think that that's something that we should um, put more of an emphasis on because I don't like being told if I, if you care about this, you can't be friends with someone like Taylor who's conservative. That's not how the world works and that should not be the norm. And, That's my soapbox. Well, she was also consistent, too, right? Like, I know that gender equality was a big deal for her, but she also fought for, I think, a man one time saying that, like, a, a man should have just as much rights as women in, in some issues. So it wasn't just when she believed in something, she was consistent about it. And that's, that's really all you can ask for these days. And that's why some of the people who even, like, some old people like Dennis Kucinich and people like that who were Ralph Nader, who were super liberal and somebody who I agree on 0% of issues probably, like, you appreciate their consistency, though, even when it means turning against their party, because they had to do that. So whether you agree or not, people being consistent is a big deal to me. Yeah, absolutely. People being consistent and people being kind. You know, that was one of the things that I think um, Scalia did so well, is he talked about you need to be able to separate a person from their ideas. 
and he could like you can hate everything a person says in politics but still care for the person i think that's crucial so rest in peace justice ginsburg um she's actually the first woman to lay in state at the u.s capitol i think i read that this morning on a news alert thought that was really cool so very um very cool that that she's getting to do that um speaking of hating other people because they disagree with you oh, let's so, talk about we, it. are we doing the question about who we look up to or not oh yeah who's <laughs> your person sorry mark yes yeah. who's the person you look up yeah, to yeah so, so that we talked about who we look up to that we don't agree with on policy issues and one person i've always really liked you i got you probably like him too was joe lieberman um yes uh, Obviously, he was kind of an independent. They kind of kicked him out of the party, but like he stuck with what he wanted to. I mean, he, he supported a Republican uh, for the presidency, even though he's a Democrat because he believed in, in McCain, was friends with McCain. And, uh, and just kind of every time that he had an opinion, it was well thought out. It's like, you can't, even if I disagree with him, I like where he came from. And he was an honest broker. And that's all you want. You want somebody who's consistent and honest broker. And I always liked him. I know he wasn't the biggest liberal. I mean, he's kind of more in the moderate uh, wing of the, the Democratic Party, but I always respected him a lot and really liked him. And, and do you have anybody else that you like other than other than Bader Ginsburg? Yeah, someone I really love, um, she's like a role model of mine, is Jenna Bush, George Bush's daughter, who has come out recently as being having more liberal perspectives on things. She's on the Today Show. I think she's a class act, never undermined her father, even though some of their policy perspectives disagree. I think that it's just a beautiful model for how even in the same family, you can disagree on things and one person can have their platform, another person can have theirs. And at the end of the day, they still love each other. They still care trying to undermine each other. And I think that um, that's very cool. Not quite the same as Kelly and Conway's family, right? Where her daughter's on TikTok, like like doing all these crazy things and it's on her mom. Well, that's what, that's what made me think of that was thinking about how the Bush family has done it. And, you know, while George W. Bush was in the white house, the girls acted out, they were teenagers, whatever. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, his career was very important to him. And the girls did don't undermine that as far as political perspectives go, but they still um, have a voice. And I think that's really cool. How about when Bush comes to shove? I like that even better. Oh, Mark, that was witty. I was kind listening. of dad jokish, but I'll give it a seven out of ten. But that's pretty good. I'll give seven. That's 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 always good. Oh gosh. Well, okay. Back to what I was about to say about social media hating each other. The social dilemma. The documentary came out on Netflix recently about social media has caused quite a stir. I watched the whole thing. It took me and my roommates longer than it should to watch it because we kept freak out. But I think that. Um, everything they said made me want to delete social media right then and there. I realized that it is stirring division and there's a really cool part of the movie. Where it, it looks kind of like it's looking inside a person's mind. AI works and it's like, Oh, this person interacted with this. Let's throw something even more divisive in the mix and get them to interact. And it's drawing people apart. And people have said for a long time in an age of connection, people are more disconnected than ever. Um, Mark, I don't have any, from that movie but I think it's really important whether you are gung-ho social media or you think that these people who created it shouldn't have defected from what they created whatever it's caused a stir and I think that it's high time that we start taking a look at our reliance on social media and of course we both kind of work in social media which is like I'm like it's like I wish I could delete Facebook but I really can't because of our job and what (laughs) happens with that um what's interesting is 
I think that the internet was obviously a great thing. You see that there's some negatives to it, but there's a lot more positive than negatives. I'm not sure you can say that about social media. I'm not sure. I mean, there is positives, right? Like you can see what old friends are doing, but I'm not sure that at this point there is more positive positives and negatives. Um, there's a lot of like, I just know how angry I get going on there and reading something like this person's writing stuff. They have no facts. They're sharing the story that's fake and all these things. Somebody has this opinion on this case and they don't even know the details and everything is just wrong and it makes me frustrated and sometimes you argue with them and it gets and then you get even more megs they won't listen and it just it's really hard and it definitely brings down like my overall mood and i'm like i'll leave that even knowing i was right and had all the right opinions be like gosh i'm so frustrated with society and whether it's all the political stuff on there is just so tough to even read too on both sides well, let's talk about that for a second, Mark. Mark actually got unfriended on Facebook by two people recently because of an opinion that he had. And I was looking at Instagram it wasn't yesterday. An I, I was correcting facts in a case, uh, in a big case, to say, no, that's not what happened. I wasn't even saying that they were wrong about anything. I'm like, no, this is actually what happened. Here's a story that's actually a good story of what happened. You can make your decision based on this. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm, I got to unfriend you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I found that more often than not. I was actually scrolling Instagram yesterday and looking at, um, I, I follow a lot of celebrities, a lot of influencers, of course I do. And every single thing that I was about racial injustice in the wake of the Breonna Taylor case, every single thing was a celebrity having their opinion, which I'm all for celebrities having their opinions. But refreshingly, someone posted the New York Times Daily podcast and said, before you listen to influencers and before you listen to celebrities and before you read all these posts, listen to the facts of the case from a respected journalist and make up your own mind. And it was so refreshing. So I got on and listened to that because I found myself wondering what the real thing is. I Google more often than not, I Google what are the facts about something because scrolling social media when people get all their information from social media which they always do it's so divisive and i found myself having to correct friends on different issues that they've read something on social media and they all they and i'm like uh, wait a second <laughs> read read what's actually happening or listen to this podcast or actually educate yourself on the truth before you start posting things because at the end ultimately at the end of the day it shoots your own credibility when you're posting false things everyone does it's so frustrating. And, that's and I think that's just the nature of social media. For something like the Breonna Taylor case, which I mean, we don't have to talk about our specific views of what happened and, and what, if they should have been charged or not, but there's all these stories that were actually news stories that came out that turned out not to be true. So you're using a news story from four months ago where like the initial story was that she was sleeping in her bed and, and shot for fire. And that was not correct. I mean, and everyone said that the, the I mean, all the evidence shows that there's no question about that, but people are still using that. And again, that doesn't necessarily change what you think of that, but you need to have the right facts when you're talking about these. And part of that is the news media reporting things that are not true. And of course, maybe at the time it seemed like that, I get it, but you shouldn't report these things as facts unless you know that they're actually a fact, not, not just, and because that's what changed the whole narrative. Everything that actually happened in that case, which there's a lot more specifics about now, um, nobody knows. I, I mean, very few people. I know Charles Barkley actually went on NBA. He did. I saw that. It's like, hey, we need to look at the actual facts of this case. It doesn't mean that your opinion's wrong, but it means that you don't have all the facts to even make a valid opinion in my, in what I believe. And what I've seen a lot on Twitter, especially in this, is facts don't discount the fact that it is a tragedy. Things oh, can I, of course not. An innocent woman died no matter what. 
you can hold both things. Things can be tragedies and facts can exist. And I think on social media, we, we see a lot that um, I, I've noticed specifically that a news outlet will post something outrageous and then two hours later post a correction of the actual facts and the outrageous thing gets the mo most retweet and the fact doesn't. And I just think that contributes to the toxicity of social media is that people are always scrolling. Mark, I want you to talk about your scrolling thing that you took away from the documentary yeah. too, but people are always scrolling, always looking for more information, always refreshing. And so the nature of news, the 24 hour news, you know, in, or I remember as a child when CNN headline news first started and it was the first 24 hour news network that in itself created an atmosphere of, wanting to hypothesize on things and needing content. And then now with social media outlets need more because people are always scrolling. Mark, what was the part of the documentary where people talked about scrolling? Yeah. So I just said, they said that there's like an addiction thing to scrolling and, and, um, and part of you is like, Oh no, that, that kind of seems out there. But then I realized like I'll be laying in bed watching TV and like literally watching TV and I keep scrolling up on to see what's new on Facebook. It's not even something I, I actively think about. It's not something I'm actually interested in. I'd rather watch the office than do that, but I still end up doing it. And, and it just, I think that one part really stuck me. Like that is definitely what I do. And I, I think that, Part of the social network, at least, or part of that, the documentary from what I've seen, it might be a little bit exaggerated. And some of it's like kind of the people who had this intention of trying to stop you from using social media. And that was the whole point of the documentary. But a lot of it's true. And that's one of those things I've noticed myself doing. And it's like, what a waste of time. How much, how much, how many hours per day do I waste doing that? Maybe I know. I went through a, I went through a breakup a couple of years deleted all of my social media except Pinterest and the reason I kept Pinterest was to satisfy my scrolling addiction like I became keenly aware during that season when all I wanted to do was scroll and see new content I just I realized that what I was doing was really toxic so mm -hmm. we've ranted on this enough to say I think that I don't know if you have like a key takeaway or key moral of, of your rant but the key takeaway for my rant is Everything you see on social media might not always be true. Opinions are great. Everyone is entitled to have their own opinion, whether we disagree with them or not. But before you repost things on social media or before anything, before you start to get a big head from likes on social media, make sure you're reading and not just reposting things that aren't vetted, aren't true, aren't fact, because we don't want to contribute to the toxicity of our culture. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> You're going to let me have a mic drop. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. That was pretty good. <laughs> that I never get to have the mic drop. Okay. So let's move on to something more fun. <laughs> that was, that was like real heavy. JFK's murder. Something more fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not like that. This weekend, Mark went with his lovely girlfriend who is way out of his league to Dallas <laughs> and visited the spot where JFK was murdered. And, um, Mark was, I know that was a really experience for you. Yeah, it's like I, I took a uh, basically a JFK conspiracy class in college. It was one of the greatest things I ever did. It was such a great class. It's like one of the forefront scholars on, on JFK that gets a bunch of national interviews. Um, so, and I took an entire class on it. Basically, they showed all the different conspiracy theories, what what could have happened, just showed us a bunch of movies. And it was an incredible class. And it was, I mean, I'm old now. So at this point, it was 11 years ago. But I remembered so much of that. And we were going to Dallas to visit her parents. And, and we're going to rub it there. But like, I really would like to see that. I've been to Dallas one time before. And it's before I actually watched it. So like, we didn't actually go in the museum. But it was walking around the grassy knoll where 
It could have been a shooting if there was a conspiracy. Seeing the X on the street in Dallas where he was actually, where both shots happened. Just seeing this whole thing that I had read about and seen in videos for years. It was just so cool to actually go there and see that spot. And I just kind of felt like it brought me back to that. And um, and for what it's worth, I don't think it was a conspiracy. I think what they said did happen actually happened. But it was just cool to see all these spots that things could have been, seeing the book depository. And I'm not really into this. I think you're more into history and historic sites. I know my dad is super into all that stuff. But this was the one site that like really moved me. And it was so cool after reading so much about it to actually see everything and see, like, kind of go through the mind of JFK and all these other people while it was happening. It was just, it was something special. So, I mean, so what was your uh, a historic site that you were so excited to see after maybe reading or just knowing about it? Well, I'll st I want to start by saying my dream historic thing is to do, they, um, you can go to the Middle East, like Israel and stuff, and do like a Footsteps of Jesus tour, and go and travel everywhere that Jesus went during his ministry, like, and it walks through the New Testament and the Bible. That is like my dream trip. How to long would that take? That would probably take like a, a year, like, I mean, that's, that's going to be a long trip, right? <laughs> So you, you're in like Nazareth and Bethlehem. Like you go to the, these historical places. You don't actually walk. Oh, okay. Like just, I, I thought you were walking like 500 miles around. Like, wow. <laughs> no, you just go to significant places in the Bible, but they call okay. it like the footsteps of Jesus. That's like my dream vacation. But one thing that I love is every time I'm in D.C., and I know this is like super touristy and weird, and like my best friend lives in D.C. and I go visit, but I love going to the National Archives because I think that – are the documents that founded America are so cool. And I love, I always go look at the Declaration of Independence because I I was about to say something really stupid and I'll tell you what it was, but- It was about the Declaration of, National Treasure, is that what it was? Or? Yes, stealing it. Um, the Declaration of Independence is written in a certain handwriting. It's a very flowy handwriting. I almost said font. It's written <laughs> in a very flowy handwriting, but then where at the very bottom, where it says free and independent, it's in a different style of calligraphy to make it look more bold. And every time I go to the archives and it's so touching because you think about what the founders did, how they put their lives on the line to create a free and independent nation. And I just love to go and see that and point out to people that I remember pointing out to my mom and my sister, look, this is in different style of handwriting because it is the crux of what we were founded on. And I just, I always look at that and I'm so moved by the words free and independent in a bolder handwriting. So that's kind of like, it's not as cool as you visiting the grassy knoll because it is a museum, but it is something important in history that I absolutely love. No, just, and it's funny how certain things stand out to us too. It's like, that's something that really stands out. Yeah. To I don't know why the JFK thing just gripped me. And even there's so many, but I mean, there's a lot of other things like people like they want to see the monuments. They want to see where wars happening. People come to Franklin, Tennessee or Valley Forge, Pennsylvania to see these huge parts in history. And like, that's not quite as interesting to me, but to other people it is. So I think it's, I think we all have our own opinions of like kind of what grips us the most historically. And those are ours. So yeah. that's all the time we have. I think we went over, but it was a fun discussion. So it was good. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next week, guys.